Hey friends, and welcome to the Moving Mountains podcast. Moving Mountains is a place to hear true stories of modern day miracles told by ordinary people just like you and me. My name is Paige, and I'm joined here in Alaska by my dear friends, Margaret and Bernadette, as we witness accounts of how God has worked in people's lives in big and small ways. As you listen to these stories of hope, answered prayers, and unexplained phenomena, we invite you to allow this space to inspire your faith and even to help you recognize the ways in which God is moving mountains in your own life. You're listening to part two of last week's episode. If you haven't heard part one, please return to our recordings to access the first half of this episode. We don't want you to miss any part of this story. And I could hear the voice of God saying to me, Mm. you need to wash his feet. I'm asking you to wash his feet. And it was so completely humbling to know that, wow. to know that um, I was doing exactly what he was asking me. He wasn't asking me mm-hmm. to do anything other than what I was doing in that exact moment. I just need you to wash his feet. It was not like, I need you wow. to worry about what's going to happen to him in high school. It wasn't, I need you to worry about what his life will be like as an adult. It was simply, I need you to wash his feet. And for those, those two weeks were like so incredibly transforming for me um, as his mom. And just for me as my um, idea of what this cross that our family had been given and and I, what I mean by the cross is not my son. My son was never the cross that we had been given. The disability was a cross. And the person mm-hmm. who was carrying it first and foremost was our son. And we were mm-hmm. there to help him. We, you know, we were signed. Mm-hmm. We, and like, there was so many times when I'm like, Lord, this cross is so heavy for me to bear. And Jesus is like, yeah, no, he's the one carrying it. <laughs> he's the one living with it. You know, you're just Simon. I'm asking you to help him carry his cross. So, um, wow. Yeah, it was, um, it definitely changed a lot about how we went about parenting him. And one of the things that came from those two weeks of washing his feet was that I, started screaming from the top of my lungs out to my community that we needed more services. We needed help. We could not do it on our own. Um, And so we ended up getting them hooked up with a couple of community services that, um, I mean, it was pretty minimal. I'm not going to lie. There's not a lot out there in the community to help, but we were able to get him, um, Frontier Community Services is local and they provided a behavioral health consultant. And so he would come once a week and he would pick our son up for two hours and they would go out and they would talk about things and work through things. And that was incredibly helpful because I had a person who was like an intermediary between me and my son. I could yeah. say, here's what we're struggling with this week. I need you to talk to him about it. Because he wouldn't get angry with the person, like, in the way that he would get angry with me. And Mm -hmm. so that was incredibly helpful. Then I started um, getting more and more help set up for him at school. And we lessened the amount of work. Like I said, the problem was not, the problem was the expectations of the people in his community versus his ability. And so when we completely backed off what we thought should he should be able to do, and we just looked at what he was doing and what he was capable of, and we matched our expectations to his ability, then things like really kind of settled down a lot. Um, so, so then, um, then COVID hit. And so after we got all of these, you know, services set up and he was doing this therapy and that therapy, then COVID hit. And of course, what did COVID do? COVID shut down everything. That meant that he didn't even go to school anymore. (laughs) That meant that he could not see that behavioral health consultant anymore. 
that meant um, he he had been swimming. That was like a thing that for him, like a, a really good sensory experience um, yeah. that really helped to calm and soothe him. Yep. No more swimming pools, people. <laughs> and so we were kind of like back in the fire once COVID hit. And I don't mm. think that people, I mean, we were all put in places that we didn't expect to go during COVID. And we, um, people just with any regular kids were just like, okay, you know, yeah, this is awful. And this is really, really hard. But those of us that had kids with special needs, we were put into impossible situations. Um, there was no respite. There was no sense of community. There was no, um, there was nothing coming from the outside. And it made life extremely, extremely difficult for us. Oh um, How old was so, Jacob at this point? Um, he was 14. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When COVID hit. So you made he all this progress and then it's like uh, exactly. everything came to a screeching halt. And oh, it's so yeah. frustrating. Exactly. So it just kind of like everything fell away. Um, but he was starting high school at that time. And right. um so thankfully, our school district was amazing, and they decided that kids um, in special education should actually attend school every day. So that next year, once school started opening up, um, he was actually able to go to school every day, even though his brothers were at home still. Um, wow. And that was um, that was kind of like the official turning point, I think, for all of it, like through the chaos and through that moment of like, I cannot do this Lord. And then we got things put in place and it gave me a sense of hope, gave me a sense of community and that I did not have to do it on my own. All of that was pulled away. And then it was like, okay, slowly building this back, just one little tiny piece at a time. And so then he was in, um, in high school. So right now uh, he'll be starting his senior year in high school this next year. Um, he will, um, he is on a diploma track, so he will get his diploma, um, which is amazing. Wow. I mean, it's, he's taking special education classes. And so a lot of his classes have been modified, but he will complete the subject matters that he has to. Awesome. Um, he still receives a lot of um, community services through like the division of vocational rehabilitation. They're trying to find him a job. Um, like he's applied for different jobs, um, but nobody will really hire him just because of his disability, partly because of his communication issues, um, which is a lot of how his disability um, manifests itself in he doesn't always talk in a normal cadence or a normal manner. Um, his, the wording of his sentences are kind of scrambled sometimes. And it's like, you understand what he's talking about based on context, but it's not always, you know, if you looked at it immediately, it would not be. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and he's receiving some job coaching and stuff services through frontier community services as well which is amazing because then I don't have to, like the pressure is not on me to try and find him a job. Um, and he wants to work, you know, he's now 18 years old and he's like, mom, I want a job. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. But finding people to hire him, you know, this is, this is the deal that DVR has. They are willing to set up a thing where they will give you a free worker for, you know, a period of six weeks, you as a small business do not need to pay this person. You don't have to pay liability insurance at all. Um, but yet people still won't allow him to come into their business to get some work experience. And so it's really sad. You know, that's kind of like one of those ways where it's like, come on, community, just step up and, you know, be willing to open up your heart to these people that, I mean, he's just, he's, he's a young man, like any other, you know, I just want a job. I just want to work. Um, hmm. but he's not necessarily able to, um, so kind of, this is like one of the analogies that I learned about FASD through all of this. Um, like I had mentioned before that it's an invisible physical disability. And so if you think about someone who has a different physical disability, one that's visible, if you think of a person that is missing their legs, 
we can see that and we can say, okay, this person may need to use a wheelchair to get around. And in order to get where they're going, we need to build ramps. In fact, as a society, we have laws that require public buildings to have ramps and access for those people with that physical disability. Mm -hmm. But for people that have an intellectual disability Mm -hmm. or, um, we don't have that. And it makes it trickier as their caregivers or their medical professionals to say, what sort of accommodation does this person need? And it's different for everyone. So if you figure, you know, which day Mm. did that alcohol um, expose in in utero? Was it on day 21 when, you know, this was forming or was it on day 45 when that was forming? You know, so it's different for every single person. Um, so they always say, you know, when you've met a person with FASD, you've met a person with FASD. It's um, <laughs> it's just it's different for everyone. Um, and yeah. I think that it's um, it's hard. You it's it's hard to say this is what people like this need in society. Um, and I would say that. You know, what my son needs is my son needs friends. He has always needed friends all throughout school. And that was one of the reasons why we fought for him to be in that, um, that charter school was he was went from kindergarten through eighth grade with the same kids and they were amazing. They all grew up together and they were great friends, but going into high school has been a different experience for him. And he really doesn't have a lot of friends and all the ones that he has, they're all going to leave for college. And then what? You know, he's going to be left here in the community kind of by himself and have to mm. um, try and figure out how to make. I don't know. Um, yeah. Another thing that he needs is, you know, is community support for his job for to be able to do a job, to be able to feel you know, like a productive member of society. I think that's really, really important. Um, I'm sure there's something out yeah. there. I'm sure. Like, yeah. I feel like there has to be. It's just well, finding I will the niche, tell you, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I will tell you, he has mad coffee skills. If you are ever on the Kenan Peninsula and you want to come to my house, <laughs> we will make you the most amazing espresso ever. <laughs> So we're, we're hopeful that awesome. something will come through. Yeah. Well, just yeah. hearing the story so far, you know, it just sounds like one more situation that seems hopeless that I can't wait to hear what happens down the road, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Cause like we are still kind of in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll say, um, I have known Megan and her family for the past eight years because we, Megan and I met through St. Teresa's camp my first summer up in Alaska. And she had her three boys with her and her camper (laughs) uh, (laughs) running the program all summer, which was incredible. That in itself was a miracle. (laughs) Um, But Megan, (laughs) it has just been, I mean, at that point, Jacob was 10. So he was hitting, you know, that that time in his life where the struggles were really starting to happen. And so I have kind of from a distance, but every summer been able to see Jacob um, and Megan as well, and just them growing together over the past eight years. And this kid is so incredible. He is just like a gentle giant in my eyes. (laughs) He is so sweet and so kind. And, you know, in the beginning, definitely noticing conversation with him was a little bit harder, but then over the years, like it's one of those things where I know kids with special needs also get, um, really fascinated by something, right? Like they, they cling on to something. And I think the thing I noticed about Jacob was magic, right? Like he was really into card tricks. Um, yeah, absolutely. He's <laughs> so always had, he would just like, always be showing obsessions. me card tricks. Yeah. 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 So for a few summers at camp, he, he was, I was like, Jacob, show me your newest card trick. And he'd be super into it. And he had a little hat too, that he would wear. And yes, he is just so incredible. So I am really excited also just to see how God continues to just, you know, reveal his plan for Jacob and for your family as well. Yeah. 
So it's kind of funny because he has always had his different obsessions throughout, um, like you said, magic or, um, I mean, right now it's coffee, honestly, but, um, he, he'll just decide that he really likes something and he'll go learn all that he can about it. And, um, that's actually consistent with, um, autism spectrum disorder. And he actually at at age 17 was also diagnosed with autism. And so like, that's kind of like a really Mm -hmm. late diagnosis, but it was like, wait a minute, we've been dealing Mm -hmm. with this all the time and we had no idea. (laughs) Um, But a lot of the behaviors are co-occurring. So like, is this FASD? Is this autism? Like we don't even really know. Um, And honestly, I think the ultimate thing is that it just comes down to, it's just Jacob. It's who he is. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, it's God has allowed him to grow into his personhood, you know, just like he does for each one of us. And so one of the really cool things about Jacob is that he is an altar server at our church. And he always has been since he was um, made his first communion. He uh, started as an altar server and he even as an 18 year old has continued. He absolutely loves it through COVID our parish only had two altar servers and um, he was one of them. And so uh, he served mm-hmm. almost every single week. And what an mm-hmm. amazing oh. way. Think about this. Think about what his sensory and physical needs are. Like he has auditory processing disorder. He sitting and listening is not going to work for this kid. And so the mm. church has, you know, given him this gift of being an altar server where he gets to experience the mass in a sensory way. He gets to stand up in the middle and go and do things. And, um, and it shows him as a leader within our parish. And so everyone looks to him like, Oh, he's such a great person. He's such a great kid. And he has this wonderful positive experience of going to mass. Um, he was actually confirmed last October. That's incredible. Yeah. And it felt like for me, like his confirmation awesome. felt like this full circle of services that, um, you know, our church kind of has provided mm. for him from the time that he was in utero living in a women's shelter with his mom. And then all the way mm. through, you know, and now he's been confirmed. And um, so wow. it's, it's just, it's exciting. Was JP2 his saint? So it's not was actually, John Paul II, his saint. No, yeah, I know. So I told him, I was like, I had always thought, Oh, I know who this kid's confirmation saint um, is going to be. Um, and so he actually chose a different saint that I'm going to, um, I'm not going to tell you who it is because I want to keep um, his birth mom's privacy, but he chose, um, there's a saint that is named for his birth mom's last name. So um, he chose that saint as a name. So now he has her last name as part of his name, which is really, really special. And so it's like, of course that makes the most sense, you know? And when we started talking about it, I was (laughs) just like crying. (laughs) I'm like, oh my gosh. So. Wow. Megan, what an amazing story and testament to, you know, the journey of parenthood. So you know, you want this, you want a child and you want a child and you want a child and then God gives you this child. And then, you know, we, I think we all have these ideas and these maybe, I don't even want to say fantasies, but ideals of what that's going to look like. And then things, you know, shift, you know, he's three years old and he's only saying three words and, you know, just these stages that you went through as a parent. Um, I guess my question for you is, in those moments when you wanted to give up, like I'm sure I think think we all say um, kind of ridiculous sayings when we're really stressed or tired. It's like, why did I adopt this kid? Or why did I marry this guy? Or what, you know, we say these things when we're not in a, you know, a state of peace. Um, But hearing you talk, especially about the foot washing, I mean, that is incredibly beautiful. And you said that was really transformative for you. So I guess what carried you through? Um, yeah. And what, how is it, how did it change you as a, as a mother? No, I think that's a really good question. In fact, like I just look at where I was as a human when I met Paige and I'm just like, Oh (laughs) wow. (laughs) I, um, I I, I know that I have changed. I'm the one that was, let me go back. 
I am the one that needed to change in the situation. Mm. Like in my mind where I was, I thought this kid has all these problems and he needs to fix them and change them. But it was truly, it was me. It was my attitude. It was my relationship with the Lord. It was my relationship with my husband because raising a child with special needs puts an incredible amount of stress on a marriage. And it was really, really rocky Uh there. Um, And so it was like, what, what carried me through? Honestly, um, I, I figured out pretty quickly that I couldn't do it. And I think that that's what I had to do is Mm. I had to come to the point where I had to absolutely give up and be done and quit my job. (laughs) And God said, awesome. Finally, you made it there. Guess what? We're going to do this together and you don't have to do Mm. anything. And so it was just like, like a real truly breath of relief and all of the anxiety of trying to control everything and trying to do everything just melted away slowly over the time of me growing Mm -hmm. and learning. And, um, I, (laughs) it, um, I, there's just this saying that always keeps coming to me is that like raising a child with special needs does not take a special kind of person, but it makes a special kind of person. Like you will be changed throughout the process of it. Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that is so powerful. I know in your little form that you felt filled out to sharing about your story, that was the one comment that you made that really stood out to all of us. And it's so powerful to hear you say that again. Um, and just looking back on everything you shared today, there really is this theme over and over again of like, all of these really, really difficult, maybe seemingly impossible or very confusing situations that came up, like a woman who found herself pregnant and maybe she didn't know and had been drinking or she had many traumas in her own life and continued to drink through pregnancy because she you know, had trouble stopping and then mm-hmm. found herself in Anchorage to get an abortion. And then wow. just that mini miracle of the choice that she made, you know what, I'm going to put this baby up for adoption. And then this mini miracle of that baby being connected with you and the mini miracle of her being able to detach and truly give you that baby and that gift. Like I, I cannot imagine what she went through leading up to that point. Like her whole story must be incredible as well. Um, and then hearing, you know, like this period of joy that you had and then the hardship that came again. And it's just this process back and forth of the Lord takes these situations and asks us over and over again to get to that point of we just have to give up control. Like just like she did, she said, okay, instead of controlling this situation and terminating this baby's life, I'm taking this huge leap where I'm just saying yes to, you know, what, like, clearly, for some reason, God had me conceive this baby, I'm going to give up control. And because of that, you had a family. Um, And then you found yourself in your situation with your son, and you got to the point over and over again of giving up control. And it's really incredible, because at the end of the story, it's not, there's not this grand finale in any way. The end of the story is here I am again with the Lord saying, you're still living in this world and you're still dealing with this day to day. And I'm asking you to trust me again as your son launches into adulthood. Um, But it's just such a, such a beautiful witness of how these situations in our lives that are so painful or confusing um, or, you know, we want to control them and we can't just every person's story kind of comes back to that in some way. But I must say your story is incredibly powerful and you probably experienced that on a level of suffering that most people have not experienced or could understand. Um, and I just want to say thank you to you and your husband for yeah. saying yes to accepting a baby with special needs. And, you know, maybe back then yeah. it was a little bit naive. Like you said, you didn't, you know, Oh sure. We'll take a baby who's been exposed to alcohol, but clearly the Lord knew what he was doing. And you've said yes to that call over and over again. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to reflect on all yeah. that. But I just, I also want to ask you, um, you know, if 
if there are people listening to this episode who can relate to your story in any way, whether it's, you know, they've experienced infertility, maybe they still don't have any children and they're still waiting, um, or someone with special, a special needs child, or somebody who is looking into adoption or who has adopted, you know, um, just off the top of your head, do you have any advice just imagining who might be listening to this episode and learning something from your story? Yeah. So I, um, my biggest piece of advice, and I think this goes for any person who is experiencing struggle. So your struggle might be mine or your struggle might be something completely different from mine. And that is find your community. Find other people who are experiencing the oh, same yes. struggle that you are. And so I, when I think about the people who have really, truly been there for me, stood next to me and walked this road with me, it is other parents that have children with FASD or other special needs. And like, we understand each other on a way, on a level that no one else, like, like I, I understand that people can stand on the outside and look in and say, oh, I have compassion. I have love. I have empathy. And, and here's my hands. I'm here to help you. But it is different when you know that that person is walking that same road with you. And so that, that advice goes for any struggle that a person is having. Just find other people who are experiencing the same struggle. And I would say this, mm -hmm. um, if people are considering adoption, I like, I saw a saying this week that said adoption is the visible gospel and nothing could be more true than that. We are called to care for widows and orphans. Mm -hmm. So if you, whether you are going to, um, whether you're going to go through foster care to adopt a child or whether you're going to um, try private adoption or through an agency, I will just say that it will be messy and God will redeem it. Like it, like you don't have to have a social media perfect life in order to, um, in order to live the road. You know, God, God doesn't ask us to be perfect. He doesn't ask us for shiny, perfect lives. And honestly, he allows suffering for our own transformation. And I think that that's kind of the, the thing, you know, for yeah. me personally, completely aside from my son's road that he has walked the suffering that I have endured as a parent has completely changed me and has changed my relationship with God. And so it's like, yeah. don't be afraid to say yes. Think, think back to Mary, mm -hmm. you know, when she said yes, she did not sit down with Amen. that angel and say, you are an angel of God. And therefore you can probably tell me what's going to happen in the end. Can you tell me the whole story? And then I'll decide if I want to say yes or not. <laughs> like, <laughs> she, she was, she said, yes, she said, yes. And so saying yes to God requires us to take that leap of faith and know that saying yes is we're not going at it alone. He's not going to leave us. <laughs> that is amazing advice. <laughs> really, really great. Um, one last question I have is um, just what does, since we covered this earlier in your story, what does Jacob's relationship look like with his brothers um, today and just you and your husband and those around him? Yeah, I think that's really important because, and I had thought about that. I was like, I really want to go back and cover that. So, you know, I did talk about the hardship and stuff that my, um, our other kids have endured. And, um, it's amazing to see how God has, um, just really transformed and opened their hearts. They are some of the most compassionate and loving people that I have ever met. And so I, you know, we've talked very honestly because here's the problem. You know, we have, this 18 year old, that's the oldest child in our family, um, but um, chronologically, but developmentally, he's not the oldest child. And so it makes it really confusing mm -hmm. as to, you know, who do we look to as the leader here in this family? Um, mm -hmm. So we have spoken very, very plainly with our sons and explained they know exactly what the problem is. They understand why the rules and the expectations for Jacob are different than the rules and expectations that we have for them. And there's times when I have said to them, I'm so sorry that you have had to experience this. And they have both at different times come to me and said, mom, 
it's okay. I feel like because he's my brother, I understand people more. I feel like Mm. I am more able to love people Mm. as they are and accept them for who they are because he's my brother. And so it's like, just like already the redemptive quality that they are experiencing. And I think, Lord, how are you going to use this experience that you have given them? I mean, God chose them to be in our family, just like he chose Jacob for our family. And so how is God going to use the skills that they have learned by having a brother with special needs in their future? That is so cool. And just thinking back on the part of your story where you shared um, okay, I'm, I'm actually going to give up. Like, I'm going to look for other options. We can't do this anymore. And then that incredibly beautiful, um, experience of washing your son's feet and getting that very clear message from God. Again, it's just such a powerful message that the Lord, when, you know, he makes it clear to us, you know, you're worrying about all these things. What is, you know, what's going to, my son's going to be like, like, sorry, what is his life going to be like when he's an adult? But also, how is this going to affect my other children? This trauma, is it going to be, right. you know, very deep for them? Is it going to affect them as they grow older, too? And then um, just to see when the Lord made it clear that you were meant to keep Jacob in your home and have him as a part of your family. Like you, you probably in that moment could never have predicted the way that it has actually formed your other children into these incredibly loving, understanding human beings that probably have just a much larger capacity than the average child growing up to, to have empathy. Um, And it, it kind of reminds me of something that's happening in my sister's family too. She has six kids and one of their children is a lot more challenging than the others with behavioral issues. And the oldest, he just gave a speech at one of his youth retreats and said very similar things to what your, your, son said um Mm. basically like I hope you know I hope it's okay that I share this I'm sure it is but he basically said you know when I see these things happening with my brother it just opens my heart and you know if he's having a tantrum and screaming and saying he's going to run away and break things I'll say hey come get lost with me and go on a walk with him and Uh it just teaches him that like you know you don't need to understand what someone's going through but you can just be with them you can be mm. understanding, even if you don't understand it. And just anyway, I, can't, I didn't even say it as eloquently as him, but it just reminded me of that. And it's such a powerful message to all of us that even in the darkest moments where you want to give up, if you feel the Lord telling you, no, this is what I want you to do, just trust it. It's like Joseph with Mary, like, oh, I guess I'm going to divorce her quietly and walk away. And God's like, uh-uh. <laughs> you know, and he just went forward with it as well. It's that just sounds like that was your moment where the Lord said, this seems crazy, but just trust me. And it's really beautiful hearing what's happening in your family now. And I'm excited to hear what happens as the years go on. Yeah, no, I definitely feel like our other kids have a, a strong, like emotional maturity um, because of it. They, they, they see the yeah. bigger picture of, of life and, um, Mm-hmm. they're really accepting of other kids and it's just, it's Beautiful. awesome to see because I'm like, I couldn't have given them that. I could not have taught them that had mm-hmm. they not had Jacob as their brother. And so it's right. just, it's so right. cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and our youngest son, he may, um, he has expressed that he thinks he may have a vocation of the priesthood. And so it's like, you know, oh, how will God use that in his life? Of, of just mm. being a welcoming presence and, and loving and understanding mm. of, of all kinds of different people. And so it's like, it, I'm honestly like, I'm just, it, it brings me such joy to think of my three kids being in the places that they are. And I'm just like, they're so completely different from each other. Every single one of them is on a different polar opposite <laughs> part. Um, <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah. And yet, you know, and yet they're family and they are, um, they, they do really love each other. They get annoyed at each other, just like any brothers, but like, they, they have a good positive relationship now. And that in itself is a miracle. That is so beautiful. And I think we're probably going to close out here soon, but just a lot of what you said has really touched my heart. And I think we've probably said this many times on the podcast before, but the 
the beauty and the purpose of suffering. You know, we're, we're in a world that avoids it. We're in a world of comfort. But if you hadn't gone through this, your family wouldn't be the way it was and you wouldn't be the way you were. And so it just emphasizes that there is great purpose to suffering. It's not, you know, woe is me all the time, even though in the moment we're pretty much like that. I don't know anyone who's that superhuman, the saints probably. Um, <laughs> but I know it helps me a lot. It's like, okay, the Lord brought me through this thing. And now I'm sharing this with someone else who's, who's able to relate to it. You were talking, Megan, about um, community. Like that is absolutely a hundred percent essential to walking life and all capacities and all facets, all the good times, the bad times. And that's what, you know, God created the church for was to have community and not that you only have to have community in the church, but um, it's just a lot of your story made me think about that, the beauty of suffering, the beauty of having other people. And you've been on this journey and I have no doubt that your story um, and all of your sons are going to use this for the glory of God in the future. You know, whether or not your son has a vocation to the priesthood, it's if that's his vocation, he was raised in this family because God wanted him to be and to prepare him that way. So I just, I just want to emphasize for anyone who's hurting is that there's a greater purpose and we just need to unite it to God. And I know that's not easy to do because I know there's times all of us have, you know, we just were in the pits of despair, you know, it's, it's, how do I get out of this? And you pull through and you're like, okay, okay, I did it. Mm -hmm. God is bigger. God is greater. Yeah. He will be everybody glorified. has their thing, right? You know, you look at life and you think, oh, everybody, you know, that person's life look good. That person's life. But the more you, the older you get, you just realize everyone has their thing. Everyone has their cross basically. And so yeah. thank you so well, much for sharing yours <laughs> thank you yeah ahead, no, thank you for the opportunity i was going to say there's um this a saying that i heard not that long ago was you know that your cross will be your ladder to heaven and i really truly got it mm -hmm. it just brings you closer to god um when we built our house we wrote scripture on all of the beams of the house and the scripture that i wrote mm -hmm. on the outside of jacob's door is and the lord stood with me and gave me strength and that mm -hmm. you know so wow that's Wonderful. beautiful. Well, That's I think beautiful. we're going to move into mini miracles now. Um, just a reminder that mini miracles are just our, our amazing moments, whether big or small, that God is placed in our life in this week or this month. Um, and it just helps us just be more aware of the miracles that he is giving to us. So Margaret, would you like to go first? Oh, sure. Um, so I went camping a couple weeks ago and the left I'd seen, it was at a RV park. I was in a tent. I just want to say that, but I, and I never camped at an RV park before, but they had a little facility that's kind of important to the story. So every day I would go into this little lodge and see the same people, you know, who were sitting at the front desk, taking phone calls. Anyway, the last day we're getting ready to leave and I'm wearing um, a headband that we made for a world youth day fundraiser. And it says, Jesus, I trust in you. And one of the ladies behind the desk was like, Oh, I really love your headband. What does it say? I said, Oh, it says, Jesus, I trust in you. I'm a youth minister and I'm going to take some kids to world youth day. And it's so interesting because this woman, like she, you know, she would smile at me, but as soon as I said that her demeanor changed and she was like, Oh, Oh, you are. And we just started talking about faith. We ta started talking about um, the broken relationship with her daughter. We started talking about um, the love of, of God. And it, it just, this other woman chimed in and just became this moment of evangelization because I chose to wear this headband. And mm. it was really profound. Like I said, I, I wish that I, I seriously, I told her, I said, I wish I could sit down and have coffee with you, but literally we're leaving. And, you know, I was like <laughs> waiting. It was five minutes or whatever. Um, so we ended up having this little conversation and, and she just was sharing things with me. And I was like, wow, Lord, she, I went from like being a stranger to this woman to her, you know, sharing her heart with me. Um, so anyway, she's like, well, can I get a headband? I said, absolutely. So she actually bought several and I mailed them down to there, to them mm -hmm. and, um, wrote a little note to each of the ladies and just thanked them for the conversation and, and just wrote them a note of encouragement and, I got this phone call. I have a voicemail there. They were just both like flabbergasted by the gesture. And oh. I was, 
I was flabbergasted by their them being flabbergasted. <laughs> but just the just the simple decision to put that headband on that day and then to share a little bit about who I am and what I do really like you know, something shifted in our very short relationship. And I just it was very hopeful and exciting for me and just really beautiful. So it yeah, super beautiful. thankful and all That's that. Awesome. Uh Bernadette. Well, so my mini miracle feels like a huge miracle to me. And it's about my kids. I feel like mine are always about my kids. So sorry if you're sick of that. <laughs> nope. But um, <laughs> it, this is like a very tiny example of what we talked about today, how you can be going through so many difficult things and then the Lord will give you a period of respite or joy. And, and you know, he knows what he's doing. He'll give us what we need. So our move to Pittsburgh has been very difficult. We ended up moving into a place and it just wasn't livable for our family. Um, just for many reasons, things like broken windows and flooded basement and, and wasp infestation and many other things. <laughs> so we very quickly realized, wow, we cannot live here. And we had to break the lease and we ended up having almost a month of like nowhere to live. And all of our stuff is in suitcases and bags. And we had zero furniture <sighs> Anyway, if you live in Alaska and you moved out of Alaska, you understand. And then we did all that with a newborn and just a turning two-year-old. Um, and needless to say, it was it's just been chaotic and just one of those tough times. And our kids were both really struggling with sleep. And part of it is like we were just in an empty house with borrowed pack and plays. Everything's unfamiliar. Four-hour time change. Um, no familiar faces or scenery. So it was just. And my husband and I have been stressed, so I think that affected it too. Um, but just on top of everything, it was really challenging because my daughter was going back to waking up like every, she was sleeping max like two hour stretches, but a lot of the time waking up like every three minutes, you know, like it was just like all night of having her in excess, like putting the pacifier in. And then, yeah, normally like 60 to 90 minute stretches at wow. night. And just going back to that was really, really difficult. And um, anyway, we just moved into our new place about a week ago and we have furniture. And anyway, we got cribs and set them up. And four nights ago, we started sleep training with her, meaning we just put her in her own room and just like hoping she'd start getting longer stretches. And for the past three nights, I've put her down and give, given her a dream feed at like 10 30 p.m and she slept until 6 or 7 a.m every morning <laughs> yeah and go so Bella. i know it's just been a few <laughs> nights but i just i just have this feeling of peace where i'm like Amen. god is just giving this to us it's mm -hmm. and it's definitely a miracle because we're not dealing with you know the adjustment period of sleep training i, I don't really know why but it's just a beautiful miracle for our family right Thank now. You. That has been mm. amazing for me and my husband. So that's my that's my miracle <laughs> this week. It's not many. <laughs> Paige, what about you? That's so awesome. Um, okay, I have two little mini miracles. So the first one is just uh, my son Santiago. He'll be three in a month, and um, it's just been so fun. Like his vocabulary has just been exploding lately. Um, and just his understanding of things. Like, I think it's so easy to look at, you know, toddlers and be like, Oh, you're just a toddler. Like you don't get it, but they really do understand so much. Yes. And lately because I'm past my due date and we're like, okay, is Benny going to be born today? <laughs> Every day he like will come up to my, my womb and he says that's my baby brother in there and it's Aww. just so sweet because it's like we haven't really ever said that to him that like benny's his baby brother we've just said benny's like his baby you know um but yeah lately every day he's just like hugging my my belly and being like come out benny and and like asking Aww. we do a morning prayer together as a family and he'll ask jesus every morning for benny to be born <laughs> It's just like oh, it's so, cute. so cute and sweet that he is acknowledging this life within me without Amen. maybe even fully understanding like what it means. I don't know. But mm -hmm. that is something that's just been bringing me joy. And the awesome. other is actually, I will say that I haven't gone into labor yet because we scheduled this recording with 
the caveat of canceling if I <laughs> went into labor <laughs> and gave birth. Um, and so, yeah, we were kind of like, oh yeah, it might be canceled. We'll see. And honestly, I just think it's, this story is so powerful, Megan. And I'm so happy that we were able to like finally officially record it. And, um, you know, who knows how long it would have gotten pushed off if I did end up going into labor before we got this recorded. So for me, that is truly a mini miracle. Cause I, I'm just like, yeah, just so thankful yeah. that we're able to have this story on our podcast. So thank you again thank for sharing. Um, and now what is your mini miracle? <laughs> so I actually thought about this like an hour ago. I was like, um, oh my gosh, they're going to ask me a mini miracle. Cause I have to say, I've been, listening, <laughs> I've been listening to this podcast since it started. And every Wednesday I'd be like, Oh, it's Wednesday. Yay. I get to listen to another episode. <laughs> so I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to come up with something, but it was so easy because God is so faithful and he is totally doing miracles in our lives all the time. But, um, so my mini miracle actually does have to do with Jacob. Um, Last week, I was in Anchorage. My youngest son actually had um, a neuropsych evaluation. It was seven hours of testing in Anchorage. And I was scheduled to have a call with Social Security for Jacob because now that he's 18, we can apply for um, Social Security disability oh. for him, which would help with some of the expenses. I mean, he is an adult, but we're still caring for him, obviously, in our home yeah. and will for the foreseeable future. So having that extra income yeah. would be amazing. Like we went through and we got legal guardianship of him and everything. And so, so I had the paperwork, um, but they never called me and I was so disappointed. So of course I called the national line and I am on hold for over an hour. Um, and they said, well, we called already this morning, but no one answered. I'm like, well, what number did you call? And sure enough, they called Jacob's number. Well, he's not going to answer a phone call from someone that he doesn't know. I think that's pretty typical teenage thing. That's not, that doesn't have anything to do with his disability. But, um, so he didn't answer. I mean, adults do doing... that too. So well, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say, I do that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. Like we just thought, you know, that they were blown off. And he said, well, I'm not even allowed to talk to you at all because you're not designated as his guardian or PE. And I was like, Oh, are you kidding me? You know, I told them that we were his guardian. They didn't tell me I had to file paperwork or anything. And they said, no, we can't talk to you until you file the paperwork. I said, well, how do I do that? And they said, well, you have to file it with your lo local social security office. I said, is there any way that I can just scan it and email it? They said, no, you have to take the paperwork to the office. So again, I live in Soldatna. <laughs> And that is a three hour drive mm. or 150 miles away from the local social security office, which is an anchorage. And, um, I Lovely. just was like amazed that I was in Anchorage that same day and I had the paperwork with me. It was in my purse. And so oh I, my and goodness. I, yeah, wow. and I had the time, like, again, my son was testing for seven hours. So like I had the time to go down to the office and wait in line and go through the <laughs> whole awesome. and wait. <laughs> yeah. And I was just able to go down and file it that same day and get the appointment rescheduled. So I was just like, Lord, wow. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There was something back when we got that paperwork that said I should probably just keep it in my purse for a while. And it was just mm. awesome to see that, that listening, that small voice, you know, that I heard and listening to it, that it definitely paid off. So it saved so me cool. a trip to Anchorage another day. So Heck that's yes. Cool. And a lot of gas money. <laughs> yes, seriously. <laughs> yeah. That is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again so much, Megan, for sharing that story and just the whole story that you shared with us today. It's so incredibly powerful. And uh, I just know it's going to impact so many different walks of life. And um, yeah, it just, it touches on so many different points. And I, I feel like anybody who listens to it will relate to it in some way. So thank you for being willing to be vulnerable and get on yeah. the podcast and share about your family. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I'm just going to close this in prayer in the name of the father and of the son, the Holy spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for the gift of Megan and her family and for the yes that they said to adoption and for the yes that Jacob's mom said to giving birth to him. Thank you for the example of, just abandoning control and what you will do with our suffering and with our joy. And I just ask that you would continue to, uh, 
to bless Jacob and to bless his parents as they continue to navigate um, his life as he ages. And um, for anyone listening to this podcast, whether it's someone dealing with infertility or an unexpected pregnancy or a special needs situation or anything, um, we just ask that you would really inspire all of us here to turn to you and to give up control and to just sit and listen to that little voice. And thank you for the example of that, of, of what you can do when we really allow you to have space to speak to us and to um, just work out our lives in the way that you intend to. And thank you, Lord, for using our suffering. Thank you for taking messes and cleaning them up and making them into something beautiful. And thank you for the moments of joy in between the hardship that give us a taste of what's to come in the next life. And um, yeah, just thank you for Megan and for her beautiful example of motherhood. It takes a really incredible person to do what she's done. So please just bless her in particular as a wife, as a, as a mother and as a woman. And, um, and please use her example on this podcast to touch many lives. We ask all this through the intercession of Mary, our mother. Amen. Amen. In the name Amen. of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Venerable Fulton Sheen, pray, pray for, for us. us. Awesome. Thank you again, Megan. Yes, thank You're you. Welcome. See you next time. Thank you. <laughs> yes, we'll see you guys <laughs> next week. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Moving Mountains podcast. If you have a miracle story to tell, please call our hotline at 412-449-9609. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Moving Mountains Podcast AK. We encourage you to subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and share our podcast with others. We'll see you next time.